So grab your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. I'm so grateful to be with you. Always an honor to preach for the bishop. Pastor Monty sends his love to you, and uh, he's texting me even as we're worshiping, and uh, he is amazing at texting while he does just about everything. Um, But he said, Orville is packed out, and there's a great spirit at our church in Orville, and he's preaching there. So he'll be back next Sunday, but he misses you. Luke chapter 17, Um, we're going to start in verse 11 this morning, and uh, I'm going to read through verse 19. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. I'm going to try to condense this just a little bit. I had to hurry a little more than I wanted to in the first service, so we're going to dig right into my main text this morning. Um, Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. Come on, shout yeah baby when you find it. All right, there's at least 14 of you with me. Praise God. All right, it's Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, That's all right. I'll feel you. We'll get there. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. I want to read to you um, this passage. I believe within this passage are some keys to thankfulness. If I had to give today's message a title, I would call it Give Thanks. I thought it was appropriate for the season. But I'll read to you a very unique passage that maybe you wouldn't usually go to in regards to thankfulness. But I believe that within this passage, there are some truths that will shape the way that you live your life, that could potentially change everything for you, that could shift things. If I were to tell you that within these few passages of Scripture, there were keys that could transform your relationships with people, the condition of your life internally, and your walk with God, how many would say, I want it? All right, so I want you to open up your heart, and we're going to dig through this passage together. Luke chapter 17, verse 11, I've killed as much time as I can. Are the rest of you with me? Shout, yeah, baby. baby. All right. Verse 11, the Bible says this, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. You may want to circle that, underline it, spray paint it, whatever it is you do, just take care of it. At a distance, crying out, Jesus Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus replies, remember the Samaritan is at his feet, praising God. And this is Jesus' response. Didn't I heal 10 men? It's interesting because we could pause here and be like, wow, Jesus, you really missed it. This guy's here, you know. But what you focus on says a lot about what you value. And I want you to see where Jesus' attention was. Now, we'll, we'll find out here in just a second that Jesus blessed this man. There was a blessing in his action. But Jesus wondered where the other nine were too. Jesus places great value on the giving of thanks. He says, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, for your faith has healed you. Would you bow your heads? And I just want to pray over the word of the Lord that, the God, that God would take the next 30 minutes and do something supernatural. Lord, 
Bless your word. Bless your preacher. May your words sit on the hearts of your people like fire. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think it's appropriate. I know sometimes, at least for me, you guys probably don't care. But as a preacher, sometimes I feel like it's cliche when, you know, we preach like Thanksgiving sermons on Thanksgiving weekend, okay? Like, we get it. We're, it's Thanksgiving, you know. But here's the reality. I think we need to hear Thanksgiving sermons in America. I watched the news. People died on Black Friday, okay? I'm just, I'm just telling you. We beat each other up in Walmart after we give thanks for everything God's done in our lives and everything that we have. The next day, we tear each other up for TVs and, and Blu-ray players, okay? Let me just change your guys' life. Every deal they offer if you camp out in a tent, if you get up early and go shopping, every deal they offer there, you can get online. I just hooked some of you up. Let me tell you how Amanda and I Black Friday shop. At home, on the couch, online. It's amazing. And uh, which is really good. A few years ago, my wife, she used to love the grind. You know, she would get up and, and her and her sisters and her mom would come up with a battle strategy. And I would just pray uh, that she didn't spend too much money out there in the chaos. And then one year she came home and she was like, hey, babe, it was nuts. I went to Walmart and I tried to get Jeremiah a video game. And this guy literally threw me into the rack uh, to get a video game. And I was like, babe, that right there is why I ain't going to Walmart with you. I would have went back to prison if I was there in Walmart. I'm just telling you, I love Jesus, but I will send you to meet him if you lay hands on my wife. Come on. So I'm just, I'm just like, we need some help in America because we're tossing women into video game aisles to get a deal on Mario Kart. It's crazy. Okay? It's crazy. But there's something about thankfulness that is transformational. And I want to look at this passage, and I want to give you just a few thoughts. I'm going to get a little bit personal with you this morning as well, and just share from my own journey, share from my own thoughts on this. But if you would, grab your notes, grab whatever you're writing on. If you're taking notes in the church app, it's a great spiritual discipline to take notes, and you're like 50% more likely to go to heaven if you take notes in church. Come on. Okay, that might be true. It's probably not. But you'll remember a lot better. I want to give you just a few things. And, and I want to dig into these. And I want you to have an open heart for how they might apply to you and how the Lord might speak to you through this text. So you ready? Again, a few big thoughts. Number one, write this down. Thankfulness will generate a desire for proximity. Thankfulness will generate a desire for proximity. I don't want you to miss this because the Bible says that Jesus is heading into this territory and he's at the border. And he crosses over into this territory. And the Bible says as he entered the village, there were 10 men with leprosy that stood at a distance. The Bible is very clear to tell us that this group was away from Jesus. They were not close to Jesus. They were at a distance, right? 
Now, one thing to understand culturally about people with leprosy is leprosy was a misunderstood disease. It was highly contagious. And in the Jewish culture, leprosy would classify you as unclean. This means that you were not socially acceptable, not in the public space and certainly not within the religious space of the day. You would have been ceremonially unclean. You would not have been able to offer sacrifices, not able to worship, not able to attend the feasts or festivals that your other family members and other believers would have within the Jewish context. It was a bad thing. You couldn't live at home or else your family would be unclean. You were ostracized, outcast, sent to live as one of them outside the rest of everybody else. And so the Bible says that there was this, this collection of people that lived in, in, in outside of the village and they were all lepers. We also know that at least one of those people wasn't Jewish because the one that came back was a Samaritan. Samaritans were kind of like a half-breed in the eyes of the Jews. They shared some of the same ancestors, but they had intermixed with other nations, other races, other cultures, and more importantly, other religions. And so the Jewish people turned up their nose at the Samaritans and viewed them as lesser than, but in the, in the leper colony, they accepted people from all kinds of walks of life. Because here's the thing, tragedy and, and dysfunction and pain will bring you together and tear down walls like nothing else will. How many know you can't afford to be haughty? You can't afford to be prejudiced. You can't afford any of that when you're going through hell. You just need somebody to go through it with you. And so the Bible says you've got this eclectic group of Jews, Samaritans, and possibly other nationalities as well. And they're living in this little pocket outside the village and they see Jesus walk in. And I don't want you to miss this. They scream, hey, Jesus! And they asked for help. And the Bible says that they asked for help from a distance and that Jesus responds with an answer from a distance. Isn't that interesting? He says, go show yourself to the priest. He put them in subjection to the Jewish religious system of the day, which said if you had leprosy and you were healed, then you would go show yourself to the priest and the priest would declare you to be clean and he would give you the stamp of approval necessary to reenter society. And the Bible says that as they turned and were obedient to the word of the Lord, the leprosy melted off their body and they were healed. Miraculously. Don't you know that when God speaks, all of creation goes to work to be obedient to it? When God speaks something in your life, baby, nothing can stop it. There's nothing more powerful, no greater force than the word of the Lord. It's absolutely powerful. But see, what I find most interesting about this passage is not that 10 were healed. It's that one came back. And I want you to see this. The Bible says that every leper in this passage got healed, every one of them. But only one of them had a desire to be near to Jesus. So the Bible says that the one leper, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. See, it was a spirit of gratitude 
It was a thankful spirit that that created a desire in the life of this man to run into the very presence of Jesus, to humble himself at Jesus' feet, to give Jesus thanks. See, here's the thing. When I look at this passage, I see not only 10 lepers, but I see the condition of the world today. I think that these people represent so much more than just a certain circumstance. I think they represent human condition. See, there were 10 people, 10 healings, 10 miracles, 10 families that would be put back together, 10 lives that would never be the same, potentially 10 generations of children that would be altered because of this miracle, but there was only one person that came back, and that one person had a a motive that was generated by a spirit of gratefulness. He came into the very presence of God. See, I believe there are many people that are satisfied if they just get an answer from God. But most people are okay if they just get an answer. But a few are hungry for his presence. Can I give you a profound truth that could change your life? Prayer and obedience might get you a miracle. But thankfulness will bring you into the very presence of God. Prayer and thankfulness or prayer and obedience could possibly get you an answer from heaven. Could possibly be the, the key to your breakthrough. These people did nothing deserving a miracle. They cried out to Jesus and they were obedient to his word and a miracle hit their life and they were never the same. But it was only the man who possessed a grateful spirit in the midst of all of these guys that, that was ushered into God's presence. Can I read to you a passage of scripture that is profound? It's Psalms 100 verse 4. And it's one of my favorites, and it says this, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. It says this, the gates come before the courts. You get through the gates with God through thanksgiving. You get into his courts with praise. That means if you don't learn to be thankful, baby, you don't even get through the door with God. Come on, somebody. It's thankfulness that brings you in the gates. It's praise that brings you into the presence. If you will be a person that will cultivate a grateful spirit in your life, somebody that will be grateful for what God does, then you will be a person that experiences the presence of God. Because it is thankfulness that brings you through the gates. It's so important that we learn that. The door of heaven shuts on the ungrateful. Whoo, I was nicer in first service. Y'all weren't ready for me yet. Come on. It's true though. It's the presence of God. The key to his presence is thankfulness. God loves a thankful heart. It's with thankfulness that we begin to enter into God's presence. We approach him with a heart that is thankful. See, listen, God might not always give you the answer that you want in the timeline you want it. He might not even give you the answer you want. Sometimes we want a yes, God gives us a no. Sometimes we want a now and God gives us a wait. Sometimes we want left and God gives us right. But here's the thing, no matter what I get from God, no matter what my circumstances look like, no matter what my situation is, no matter if I'm on the mountaintop or in the valley, if I'm feeling good or I'm in pain, if things are good or if they're bad, I know if I have a grateful spirit, I can always get him. And I want God more than I want an answer. 
I know that I can get to the presence of God. I know I can come boldly before his throne. I know I can get Jesus even if I can't get the answer that I was hoping to get from Jesus. If you can have a grateful spirit through all of the circumstances in life, you will never lack access to the God of heaven. Gratefulness, thankfulness creates a desire in us to draw near to him. The Bible says that there will be many people that stand before God and say, I experienced miracles. I functioned in your power, God. He's going to say, but I never knew you. See, I don't want a miracle at the expense of knowing him. I don't want to just have a powerful life at the expense of having an intimate walk. I want to know God, not just live off of his blessing. Let me say it this way. I want to know his heart and not just his hand. See, prayer and obedience, you'll experience the hand of God. He's a good God that loves to bless his kids, but the thankful heart will experience the heartbeat of God, will bring you into his very presence. It's thankfulness that desires proximity. I spend my Fridays, my mornings, it's pretty calm at the office. Most of our pastors take Friday off and I, I always joke that if I come in on Friday, I can actually get stuff done. <laughs> come on, somebody, you know, the needs and different things we deal with. But it's always busy in our office, but Fridays are the lull. And I love coming in, and our, our staff and our teams and volunteers, they're so good. They, they clean everything else, and then they'll take care of the sanctuary last so that I can pray by myself in the sanctuary. And I just turn the stage lights on, and I just spend time with me and Jesus. And I I love it when God speaks words of identity over us. There is nothing like hearing the voice of your heavenly father tell you what he sees in you. Now, it was about a month ago I was praying in here, maybe a little bit more, maybe five, six weeks ago. And I was praying, and I'm just trying to shut up. You know, so many times we can bring our laundry list to God, and I need this, and I need that, and this is going on, and that's going on, and this is going on. And by the time we actually get done with our crap, you know, we're like done. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, that's about all the attention span I have for prayer. Have a nice day, Lord, you know? And so as I'm, as I'm walking with God longer, I'm trying to shut up a little more when I can get into his presence and just be with him. He already knows what I need. That's maybe a sermon for another day. But I was sitting here and I heard the voice of the Lord say something that has forever marked me. I know this will be something I look back on in 40 years and see it as something that marked my life. But he just said this. He said, son, or he said this. He said, Jordan, you are a son of my presence. You are a son of my presence. And I love the presence of God. I do, but to hear him say that about me marked my life. And I realized something. I love God's presence. I love God's people. I love God. But he loves that I love his presence. He loves it when we love to be with him. Did you know that? Did you know that God loves it when you love to be with him? It's profound. Jesus did not die so that I could have the blessings of God only. 
He died so that I could have God. The key wasn't that I would just get his blessing. The key is that I would get him. The covenant isn't just about me receiving the benefits. The covenant links me to the God that gives the benefits. And gratefulness is an amazing litmus test to what we care about the most. God or God's stuff. I love Ephesians 2.13. It says, but you've now been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not powerful, you've been brought near. You know, this is true in our relationships with people as well. If you will be a person that has a spirit of gratitude, you will attract people. Did you know that? You will attract people. You will be an attractive person if you're a grateful person. Gratefulness will open doors for you. It will build favor with you. It, it, will, it will take you places that nothing else can. Nothing will open doors for you in the kingdom like having a grateful spirit. Let me speak to leaders, managers, employers, business owners that have people that work under you in any way. If God has given you authority over anybody in any realm, listen to me. If you will be grateful and train yourself to to call out in the people that serve you what you are grateful for, you will never lack people that want to work for you. Because we live in a nation where we just, you show up, you put in your hours, you go home, and you better be grateful I pay you at the end of the month. But life is about so much more than that. Do you know that God values us more than that? And we honor God when we value people more than that. If you'll sit down and say, thank you for your dedication to my business. Thank you for your dedication to this company. Thank you for your dedication to this department. What you do does not go unnoticed. I am grateful for you. You will never lack people that want to work for you. I'm telling you, it will strengthen. It will build. It will foster an environment that's amazing. People will want to be close to the person that's grateful for them. I'm just telling you. Men, tell your wife what you're grateful for. Women, tell your husbands what you're grateful for in them. And they'll want to be with you. There's nothing worse than somebody's like, you never, you always, you this, you that. Can you even see the clothes basket? (laughs) Ain't nobody want to be near that. Come on, but somebody that calls out what they're thankful for? I'm so thankful for who you are, how much progress you've made, what you do for our family. Man, everybody wants to be in proximity to those people. Come on. Write this down, number two. Thankfulness will strengthen your relationships. Somebody once said that God lives in two places. He lives in heaven and he lives in the thankful heart. He lives in heaven, but how many know we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of the living God is in us. Did you know that you get to determine the living conditions that God puts up with in us? Woo! Real quiet in this Baptist church. We get to determine that. Do you know how we determine what the condition of our heart is? Through our perspective. See, ingratitude is a choice to ignore the good in your life and to focus on the bad. 
A lot of people think that it's just something that happens. Well, some people are just grateful. No, they make a choice to see what they're grateful for more than what they're not. And choices become habits and habits shape our lives. And our lives are a product of the habits that are formed by the choices we make every day. That's the reality. Can I just say something that'll change your marriage, change your life, change your relationships? Focus on the good in other people. Can I share something with you just out of my own journey? I have a tendency to be very critical. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. I can walk into a room and tell you not only what's right, but what's wrong. What's in place, what's out of place. What's here and what's lacking. Works out really well in leadership, but I have to guard my heart because how many know you carry that into your marriage? And if you let your focus on what's missing overtake your focus on what's there, you're in trouble. And it was so funny. This isn't my wife, by the way, but we were at a conference. My wife and I were at a conference and I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart about a significant relationship in my life. Not my wife, but another significant relationship in my life. And the Lord just said this. He said, you know, in this relationship, you've been very focused on what this person hasn't done for you. And in doing so, you're missing how much that they have. And it's actually causing you to be less than grateful for all the good things that have happened because of this. See, it's so easy. We we have to guard our hearts and guard our perspectives and make sure that we're focusing on the good more than what's not there. Every relationship needs a positive perspective. It will impact your marriages, your friendships, your relationships, your, your coworkers, your business connections. I don't want to miss out on the good only because I chose not to see it. And see, this will impact your relationship, not just with friends and family and all kinds of other things, but it'll impact your relationship with God. See, ingratitude is the decision to turn a blind eye to the good that God is doing and has done in your life. Ingratitude is actually a prison that many people put themselves in. I've met people that are totally trapped by ingratitude. They, they could win the lottery and they would complain that they have to take it in 14 installments. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean I don't just get it all in a lump sum? Like I'll take it in 50 installments. Come on somebody. But see, it's a prison. Even when good happens to you, it translates to bad. Not because it is, but because you perceive it that way. And we live trapped. But see, if you can cultivate a spirit of gratitude in your life, you'll live freer than 90% of the world around you. When bad news comes, you'll find the good in it. When hard times hit, you'll see the blessing in the midst of it. When challenging situations come, you'll find the silver lining. When your marriage goes through stuff, when your relationships go through stuff, when America goes through stuff, when the church goes through stuff, you'll be able to find the good in all situations because you've trained your eye to see the good and to be grateful for it. It'll transform your life. That's why some people can walk through hell and they go, God is good. Why? Because he is. 
And because I know on the other side of this mess, God's going to do good and be good and make good flow from what is it? So I can be, I can be trapped by the negativity in the situation I'm dealing with, or I can point my eyes toward the God from whom all good things flow and lean into his truth and his word and know he's going to make all things work for good to those who love God and are called to his purpose. It'll transform your life. You make it even more practical. It'll translate into your marriage, into your relationship with your kids, everything. If you can see the good and be thankful for it. You know, this doesn't happen on accident. You need to begin to thank God for your spouse, for your house, for your children, for your relationships, for your job, for all of it. You got to train yourself. Well, this stupid card only starts half the time. It could start none of the time. I hate this job. My boss, at least you have a boss and at least you have a job. And when you flip the switch on that wall, your lights come on. And that's better than 80% of the rest of the world. I'm telling you, you can train your eye to be thankful. Well, my husband, da, da, da. At least you got a husband that loves you. Well, my wife, this and that. You got a wife and she loves you. Well, my kids, this and this, I know people that are praying for kids right now. They'd love to take yours if you don't want them anymore. Come on, we can take our stuff for granted because we have the wrong perspective. But if you'll begin to focus, and this doesn't happen automatically. See, my wife is amazing. She can walk into a situation and be like, this is awesome. You're all awesome. All of you guys are awesome. And she can tell you everything why you're all awesome. Do you see this? It's awesome. She has an awesome perspective. And then there's people like me, where it does not come natural. I have to train myself to have a grateful spirit. See, there's no excuse to be bitter and to be focused on lack. You can train yourself. You know how I do it? I keep a journal. I keep a journal. And as often as I can remember to, I write my prayers down in a journal. And then I write down what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for my church, even though some y'all crazy. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids, even though some of them are crazy. I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for. And you know what happens? My perspective starts to shift. Wow, I got a lot to be thankful for. Wow, what I'm dealing with is pretty small compared to the blessing that God has put in my life. And you train your perspective to be grateful for the good things that God has done. And before you know it, you're walking around. Papa's got a brand new bag. God's blessed me. I got a wife. I'm doing good. I got a roof over my head. I've been saved by grace. I got a great church family. I got my health. I got my family. I got my life. We might have problems, but God is good. It's amazing the transformation that thankfulness can bring to your life it'll strengthen your relationships I want to land with this my final thought I'm out of time if you want the full message watch for service online <laughs> they got the full one but you got the better one come on <laughs> write this down if you would Thankfulness will generate a desire to respond. This is so, so important. Thankfulness 
there's a reality attached to it. When we have a thankful spirit and we've cultivated gratefulness in our lives, it does something. It creates a desire to respond. You know that when we operate in gratefulness, God desires to bless us even more. Anybody ever spent a lot of money on your kids and they tear that thing open and they're like, oh, it's great. (laughs) Next. I'm the only one apparently. Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. And you're like, if you have any idea what you better play with that thing, taking it back, get my money back. Ungrateful. But how many know when they're like, You're like, ooh, I got five more, you know? <clears throat> Keep this train rolling. Listen, that comes from our Heavenly Father. He's so desirous to give, to bless. He desires that when He touches our lives, when He moves, there should be a response. See, we respond positively to what we're thankful for. A thankful heart desires to give back. You know, that's why we worship. This wasn't really in my notes, but something the Lord kind of dropped in my heart. It's why we worship. Do you know that when we get together, there's a lot of churches that are cutting worship out, but we're just going to dial it back to a solid seven and a half minutes of worship. Make sure we can get to the important stuff. You know, the message is for you. God doesn't need my sermon. He could preach it better himself. Matter of fact, he preached better sermons than me. Come on, Jesus was the best. When we worship, that's for him. The only thing God can't do is worship himself. We're created to worship. We're created to give back. You know what the Bible calls worship? Giving thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Over and over again, the Bible tells us, give thanks to the Lord. It's a response. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be somebody that get something from God is like, thanks, next. I want to be the kid that goes, ah, when God blesses me, that I set it down and give thanks to God. You are good to me, Lord. You saved me. You set me free. You blessed my life. You, you set my feet on solid ground. You give me great friendships. You prosper my life. You've given me great health. You gave me great kids. You gave me a great marriage. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will be one who blesses God. You won't catch me quiet. I will praise God. I will praise him with my mouth. I will move before God. I will bless his name because he's worth it. Because he's worth it. I'm out of time. Thanksgiving's more than a season, more than a day, more than a meal. It's an action of response. It's a lifestyle that responds to the goodness of God. As I close, I don't know that there's a better way that we could respond to the goodness of God than receiving all that God desires us to have. Here's the reality. When Jesus Christ was born into this world, the God-man, 
started his ministry at age 30. By 33, they had hung him on a tree to die. He gave up his life, was buried into the ground. How many know on the third day he rose from the dead? Proving for all of history, all of humanity to know this, Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God. By raising from the dead and extending an invitation, a covenant to each one of us, he said this, if you will just believe upon my name, you'll be saved. You can be a part of the family of God, not based on what you've done, but what he did for you on the cross. Not because of your goodness, but because of his. Not because of your sinlessness, because of God's. It is by grace we are saved. So let me just say this. He extended his invitation to all of humanity. All of humanity. Which means this. If you are here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord... If you're here today and you have not been saved, you've not had your sin forgiven, you've not experienced newness of life that's found in Jesus, you've not entered in to become a member of the family of God, then you're settling because God put it out here for you. He did all the work for you, rose from the dead for you, ascended back to heaven for you, and gave this message to be declared. It is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that whosoever would believe upon Christ could be saved could be forgiven, could receive new life and be a part of the family of God. So friends, why settle? Why settle? Why not accept his invitation? Why not respond to the good news of Jesus today? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Just before we leave today, never want to shut down a gathering without giving you an invitation, an opportunity to receive what Christ has done for you. Holy Spirit, would you just search every heart right now? you search every heart if you're here this morning and you would just say pastor before I leave here today I want to receive and accept what Jesus has done for me I want to experience forgiveness a new life if you'd say that's me with every head bowed and every eye closed would you just raise your hand so that I can see it all across this room just raise them up high come on don't don't hesitate If, if there's a desire it's from God The Bible says nobody can confess Jesus as Lord outside of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know, man, you confess Jesus, you're saved. It's the desire of God working in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody else? I see your hands, yours, yours, yours. Anyone else? Say, I don't want to settle, Pastor. I want to respond. Anybody else? Just pray a prayer that goes something like this. Would you just pray, Father? I come to you in Jesus' name. Can we just pray this all together? Just pray this. We come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I give you my life. I am a sinner, and I need saving. Save me. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Change my heart. Help me to be grateful for all you've done. Help me to see the good you bring into my life. I receive forgiveness. I'm a child of God. I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Amen.